When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week, we're watching TCM4, The Next Generation, as picked by Scott for some reason. There's uh, I, one very specific reason, and he's on the show today. <laughs> so we're joined by Kyle. Uh, originally, uh, we were all hanging out together last week, and we're going to record this live. And if you want to know more about that, you should subscribe to our Patreon account, because we're going to talk about why we were all in Pennsylvania together last week uh on there so that would be for anybody who donates five dollars so you know why don't you get on that <laughs> get on that but uh scott picked this basically because we just wanted to have kyle on because if you remember way back when kyle said if we ever picked this he would take over the show and demand to be on it yeah. so that he could defend it and uh you know what got your wish bitch <laughs> <laughs> because man i have so many notes that just say i hate so much about this yeah <laughs> yeah but i will say this no matter how awful this movie or any of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies can get, every time the opening narration starts, I get hype. I love how they all start with that scroll text and the voiceover where I'm like, oh man, we're about to see a real story. Shit's about to get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like there's, it has that and then it does, there's a few things early on that I think are cool. It has this reference to the original movie with the prom photo being taken and it's the the noise from the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre as the photos are being taken as an homage to the opening, which is cool because this was written by the writer of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Which <laughs> is so confusing to me. Yeah, written and directed by. 
<laughs> Did he do anything into, else? He got into cocaine way later in his career. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> like, he's just like <laughs> freaking out. He's like, Matthew McConaughey, get me more coke. I'll put you in a movie. I mean, Matthew McConaughey is the one person I have no real gripes with because he is given 110% in this movie, even though he clearly knows it's trash. <laughs> yeah, Weren't but they I, not allowed to bill them. So they put their faces on the cover. Well, so they made. I've this, never seen one with a, with their name on the cover, with their faces yeah, on the cover. They made oh, no, this, the one that I saw is like literally, it's like, oh, it's just Chainsaw their Master faces. And, yeah. and Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. Cause like this movie was ready to come out after they got big. Well, that was the thing. They shot this, I want to say, in 1990 or 1991. Holy and then it basically, fuck! It basically just sat on a shelf, and then Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey started to blow up as actors, and then they were going to release it, and that's when the lawyers were trying to stop it from coming out because they're like, you're going to ruin the credibility of our, of our people. And it's just like, I mean... I don't know. I think that's just so... That's just such a cop-out. Like, I know I understand... That if everybody doesn't like it, and that's fine. And I'm sure that Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey didn't like it either. And that's fine. But, like, you make something and put it out into the world, and you just have to deal with it, like, afterward. Like, you just have to deal. That's sorry. That's your job. <laughs> you got to be like Sandra Bullock. You know what I mean? Like, Sandra Bullock was nominated for an Oscar, Oscar and a Razzie the same year and attended both ceremonies. Wait, what was her Oscar for? Uh, I forgot what the Oscar was, but the Razzie was for All About Steve, and she showed up to the Razzie ceremony and handed everybody in attendance a copy of All About Steve and begged them to give it a second chance. You know, and um, fucking good for her, because, like, I also, like, full disclosure, I hate the idea of the Razzies, because it's also, like, so, uh, I recently watched The Pirate Movie, um, which was a movie, which is a musical from, like, 80, what, something, 87, and the actress won the Razzie and for that. And it's like, she didn't act poorly. The movie was just crazy. And that's yeah. her fault. Like, yeah, yeah I, her I fault. feel like the Razzies are like the Bullies Awards. Yeah. <laughs> Look at these assholes following their dreams. Yeah, it's just like, hey, this movie was bad. So let's shame everyone that was involved in it publicly. Yeah. Um, what's funny is that Renel, Renee Zellweger has spoken highly of this movie. She was like, you know what? what? Like, it's a movie I did, and it was fun. Like, she was like, I had fun making that movie. It was fun! Yeah. But she, <laughs> seems, she seems so emotionless throughout the whole movie. Like, she seems like she's the one phoning it in, and she's the one that's like, no, nah, that was a blast. And Matthew McConaughey is the one that seems like he's going 110%, and he's like, ugh, I wish I'd never done it. <laughs> really? Is that his Is that his uh, takeaway? That's his soundbite about... TCM. I'm guessing they, so. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they said Hal was fucking shooting T, uh, TCM Next Generation. He said, I don't know. It was all right, all right, all right. That's uh, <laughs> Dude, and we have an all right, all right, all right in this movie. Yeah, yeah we, we do. do. Yeah. You know what else we have? We have someone that's so – I get the beginning where it's like, all right, I'm going to pay homage to the original. But who do you think you are shooting Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation and being like, you know who I need to pay homage to? Alfred Hitchcock. Let's do the North by Northwest scene. Let's <laughs> let's do that because this movie's on par with that movie. <laughs> Wait, what's the North by Northwest scene? Because I've never the plane coming down. In the oh, field. that's what that is. Because yes. I have never understood why that happened. It's it's like direct from North by Northwest. Yeah, I don't know if it's a parody or paying homage. I'm hoping it's a parody. It's a parody because this movie 
is this so like a parody on itself. It's so meta. It's like an onion of sarcasm, and I can't handle it. Because here, here's a direct quote, and um, I actually have a screenshot that I will post in the group. And I've been sitting on this post or this this screenshot that I took when I was watching it. I've been sitting on it for a couple months now. Because I, or maybe a month and a half at this point, but still, long time. It's been on my desktop, so I hope that Megan has not like come to my desk and been like, "Why do you have a screenshot from a movie where the subtitle is Girls Have Tits?'" <laughs> so we're getting a little ahead of ourselves with that. Because they do, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that made me realize, wow, this movie was made for cheap is that they are at the quietest school dance in the history of anything. It's prom, like, please. It's it's just, there's a strobe light in there, <laughs> no music, and maybe three people coming in and out of the doors. And that's the whole prom scene. Um, we're introduced to Barry, who's such a character of a douchebag that it borders on laughable at this point. Yeah, but that's, that's is, is he also the one that was like kissing another girl? And he's like, oh, baby, you did nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> Well, baby, you won't give me the HJs, so I had to go to another source. I outsourced the HJs, but I love you. Which I get to an extent. When you don't get <laughs> when you don't get an HJ, you have to outsource it. Yeah, but you have to outsource it to yourself. That's, just, that's what I do. <laughs> it's like you know what, Jade isn't giving me what I want. I'm gonna go in the bathroom, but not the one connected to our room, the guest bathroom. Don't ask questions. I'll be back in five minutes. And self-employment is sort of a big deal now. It's so, so <laughs> social economy is is huge. <laughs> the dialogue in this car scene, where this girl is giving iconic. Wouldn't it be crazy if we just, like, died, died in a car crash? She turns into trash from Return of the Living Dead for a second. Do you ever fantasize about the worst ways of dying? Dude, it's so ahead of its time because, like, she looks like she should be, like, a popular girl. And all the popular girls love dying now. It's great. Like, it's, so, it's so in vogue to like dying and to want to be dead. That he's super cool. It's it's ahead of its time, you guys. Uh, so before we get into another thing that that, that girl says, the, the asshole douchebag goes, I kissed you once. What's wrong with that? It's like I can't even talk to my friends anymore. I can't believe how possessive you are. Okay, before we they before they have that accident and they're walking around and the girl's like, I told you I'm a bitch. I just, just so that you get to like me. I just want people to like me, so I'm a bitch. She goes, I'm a bitch like my mother. Yeah, yeah. But the other woman who um, – what's her name? The adult woman that is in cahoots with uh, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, that the, the flashes the boobs at the teenagers. They're always coming around trying to see my boobs. Yeah, but she goes, fake $3 bills with a change my life. <laughs> Kyle's in love with this. I, I, don't, I don't understand your problem. <laughs> oh great i i do love the actor who has one line it's after he gets in the car accident he just comes out of the car and goes i'm not hurt yeah down. yeah yeah matthew mcconaughey is like uh so the other guy's like i think he's hurt i think he's dying and he goes no he's not dead and then he cracks his neck and you're like oh real shit and uh he goes first i'm gonna kill you but it ain't no biggie course it's different for every individual and he and then uh 
that's when the girl's like, I told you I'm a bitch. And then she's talking about Renee Zellweger. And this is another crazy line. She goes, I've had PE with her. She's got a body to die for. <laughs> and uh, then the guy's like, hey, I got an idea. Because he's they get to the house. And he goes, she's like, I can't get in. And she, he goes, but I have to pee or something like that. And he goes, hey, I have an idea. I'll go check, bitch. <laughs> You're a bona fide moron. Well, there's a point where they do i have it written down that uh one of the girl one of them briefly escapes based on the old psych move oh yeah yeah that's she's the, just like, that's the girl that like, we're yeah. talking about yeah she's like yeah yeah no that's fine psych <laughs> runs i just think that this movie is so it's so meta but the tone is so fucked that, yeah, like well, I don't understand. I don't understand anything. It gets anything. uncomfortable at points, man. They beat the shit out of Renee Zellweger at certain points, they do. and I was just like, "Holy shit, that's uncomfortable to watch." It is. It is for sure a little mean spirited. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this movie. Okay, so this movie is super mean and super meta, but it never feels like they're actually having fun on screen. And I think that's my only real gripe with it. Well, and that's so here's the one note that I wrote that I still feel the strongest about is I wrote all of these characters are insane, but none of them are interesting. And it feels like the writer missed what made people love the original movie was that these characters as insane as they were, you were super captivated by every single one of them. If you remove Matthew McConaughey from this movie, none of these characters are nearly as like memorable no. as any of the family in the first movie. Except Leatherface. I mean, Leatherface going full drag queen by the end of this movie is pretty funny. Interesting. They're pretty but funny. Like, beautiful. Um, I mean, the makeup scene in general is just so strange in this movie. Yeah, yeah. but you no, know, I, I will, I will. You're right. Like, uh, no, no other character really stands out. Renee Zellweger, I think, only stands out because of her look and demeanor. But like, nothing. But it also just could be because we know it's Renee Zellweger. You know what I mean? It could just be because we know yeah. that it's her. But like the glasses and like just sort of like the the grunge ish look is sort of stand like the grunge at prom look sort of stands out but i think it's hard to know because of the history of just knowing that it's zellweger because nobody else yeah i mean that at all except that kid who got into the car accident and said i'm fine <laughs> 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 terminator from the american pie movies yeah i mean the movie it's just like it's kind of one big remember when yeah. like everything in the movie is just like remember when we did this in the 70s and it's like yeah 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 it was Wish cool it. Yeah, wish I was watching that. So here's um, here's a really interesting reference that, or not interesting. I just want to make a reference to my favorite Halloween movie, Halloween Four, which has a better rooftop chase scene than the one in Texas Chainsaw Massacre: Next Generation. I am a big fan of Matthew McConaughey shooting a gun and then celebrating like he's a sand person. Yes, like, <laughs> lifting the gun over his head. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> the, the sand people. The sand people. Uh, they they uh, scare easily, but they'll be back in greater numbers. And so Matthew McConaughey, apparently. <laughs> um, you know, they do the dinner room scene with all the corpses, which is, you know, I, I liked that. I thought that was kind of a nice little twist because I don't remember the corpses in the previous movies. It was always just the crazy family. Yeah, uh, I did like when Grandpa wakes up. Yeah, he just wakes because up. Because I thought he was just going to be dead. And he just like... It, how are you still alive from 1974 <laughs> to 1994? You were already old as shit back then. 
the best line delivery in this whole movie, though, like genuinely, is when Renee Zellweger finally snaps and she's like making her way out of the house and then Leatherface stands up and she just points at him and goes, you sit the fuck down. Yeah, and I wrote that down. down. I was like, that's brilliant. Um, I feel like beyond all the issues that I have with this movie, the man in black stuff is just so fucking stupid and convoluted. Like- okay, so that's what I want to get in. Um, and this actually ties <laughs> Sorry. directly into... Oh. Yeah, damn, shut up. Uh, <laughs> sit the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> and I am not upset. <laughs> okay, so the, the, this man in black, uh, Roth, Rotham, or Roth, I don't know. The guy in black, um, who is Kmart Ju- uh, Judd Nelson. <laughs> Did you know yeah. that the Illuminati's body is a roadmap? Of pain. Oh, pain. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I just, I don't know. I hate this whole concept that's like, oh, the government's well aware of these people, but like. No, they control the, the Illuminati controls the government and they also control this random hillbilly family. It, yeah. I, I think that that was supposed to be very meta and tongue in cheek, uh, but I just don't think that it really hit. I don't yeah. think it, I, I think you guys are being too kind by saying this movie was trying to be meta. I truly think they were trying to make a good movie. I, I mean, I think you can try to make a good movie and also try to be mad at the same time, and you can fail at both. <laughs> like, this is more. Uh, what's it? No, Smiley was definitely trying to be meta, but yeah, I think that they were trying to make a true horror movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. Oh, I think they definitely were, but I think you can try to make a true horror movie while still being kind of satirical and meta. Like, you have to remember that Toby Hooper made. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 because he was upset that people didn't realize that the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre was a comedy. Like, that's that's the mindset of both of the people who made that movie was that they were writing a comedy, so... So, I don't... I've never heard that before. Yeah, he he felt like people missed all of the humor that was in that movie because well, he so, thought it was so absurd. Like, he's like, the whole concept oh, is so okay, absurd. okay. And he's like, but no one laughs, they're terrified. <laughs> like, but, like, I still think that the original... Texas Chainsaw Massacre is really intense. I don't see the I see the comedy, like the absurdity of it, as making it more intense and more frightening because yeah, these I people are so it, unhinged. But I I mean TCM2 is very obviously a comedy. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that that's the whole thing. Like, because there are when you rewatch it, you do find that there are these weird comedic beats that are in that movie and they have no place in that movie. But if you think oh, they were trying to make this a comedy. It's like, okay, well, then that is less out of... Like, when the guy's yelling at Leatherface and, like, Leatherface keeps pointing at... He's like, did you finish the dinner? And he, like, points at the dinner. And he's like, oh, did you blah, blah, blah? And he keeps... He's like, well, you broke the goddamn door. Like, it's just, like... Like, it's just supposed to be, like, this weird... Like, they're just fucking weird. It's a whole... The whole concept of Texas and Massacre is weird. And, like, the saying it's based on true story is very similar to, like, the Fargo concept of, like... We're just going to say it's based on true story because it's so insane that no one could possibly believe that anyway. And then people were like, yo, do you know Fargo is based on true story? And it's like, no, it's not. It's not based on anything. Yeah. Like, do people actually Fargo, believe that? It, I thought Fargo was, um, what's it called? Their basis for that was that based on a true story is a genre. 
Yeah, like that was the joke. Was like we're doing a based on true story genre with something that's not based on a true yeah, yeah. story. <laughs> like, like a but people really film. believe. Like there were people that were like, "Yeah, I can't believe someone really shoved someone into a snow, into a wood chipper like that." And it's like, no, you idiot. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not... sure someone did. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. People yeah, I did. wasn't trying to argue that personally. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, some so. Back to the movie, Renee Zellweger escapes because Matthew McConaughey's stupid fucking leg plot device breaks. Oh, so ridiculous. <laughs> Technology sucks. <laughs> that hasn't changed in the uh, 25 years since this no. came out, or whatever it is. Um, but I will say, one of the things that did get a, a big smile on my face is the whole RV attack scene is just bonkers. Oh, yeah. In, like, the best way. Like, that's, like, one of the highlights in this movie. This movie has, like, maybe three or four highlights. Most of them never lasting more than about five seconds, but that one's probably the longest highlight. <laughs> it's, because it's, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm now thinking about what Brian said here, where they're, like, I mean, yes, the, the, the meta and trying to be a good movie, I think, do go hand in hand, but it's, like, and also, but to relate what you said about Toby Hooper being bummed that like people didn't know it was a comedy, I think it's like Kim Kim Henkel here didn't get his comeuppance for his part in Texas Chainsaw, or I believe I think he probably doesn't think he got his like way or whatever. You know, Toby gets to go and make Texas Chainsaw two to sort of like um, heal the wounds or try to bring up the. Um, uh, the reputation that was made from the first one. So it's like Kim Henkel goes out and tries to like rebuild some sort of, or fill the plot, fill the holes of the uh, reputation for his part in Texas Chainsaw. And this is what we fucking get. And again, I'm yeah. not like, I love the movie and I have a great time watching it. And I don't think you guys, well, you might've, you might tell me later that you absolutely hated watching it, but from just the conversation that we're having, it sounds like y'all needed to see it again at least once and then never need to see it again. <laughs> Listen, I've seen it three times and that's three times too many. Yeah. yeah. And I, don't I, let just... Matt deter you, okay? Because all he kept throwing out were technicalities. So <laughs> you on that I was like, I think that they were just like really trying to make a good movie. Well, there's good movies that are meta. Yeah, yeah. But I'm saying I'm trying to – they were trying to make like a horror movie. Well, you can make a horror movie and make it meta. I'm, they're trying to make a scary movie. Well, scary movies are meta too. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so, um, and I think that like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is an interesting thing to discuss in its own right, because Texas Chainsaw Massacre in a lot of ways is kind of like the horror version of Clerks. And what I mean by that is like, it was that hyper low budget movie where because it became this unexpected hit, I think a lot of people walked away from it that were in it with negative feelings because at the end of the day, the person who benefited the most from Clerks was Kevin Smith. The person who benefited the most from Texas Chainsaw Massacre was Toby Hooper. And all these other people who acted in it or, you know, helped write it or whatever kind of got stuck in this, like, that's all they're known for thing. Whereas Toby and Kevin Smith both got to, like, have careers. I know that there are actors from Texas Chainsaw Massacre that to this day hold a, a beef with Toby Hooper because of that. And same with, like, Kevin Smith. Like, some of the people from Clerks still won't talk to Kevin Smith because they feel like, well, when he got big, he should have brought all of us yeah. with him type attitude. Sure. Um, so I think that it's kind of interesting that we're talking about it in that way. Cause this movie does feel like when you see those other actors from clerks, just kind of appearing in like schlocky clerks esque stuff, because that's all they can do mm -hmm. anymore. Mm -hmm. 
It's very sad. So and in here's, that sense, no, this is a great movie. I, <laughs> I have one. I was letting you get through that before I argue with you, but I, I have a real hard time feeling bad for people, be it actors, directors, writers, and especially fucking composers, when they bitch about being well-known for horror, and then they're like, oh, but it's like low class they want to do fucking dramas or something and it it makes me like and respect them less like i i probably i won't name names okay because this is a this if this was a patreon episode i would name fucking names but well well i I, let me clarify because i'm not saying like they're upset that they were pigeon held what i'm saying is like case in point was with clerks i know that one a little bit better than texas chance massacre but i know it was similar was that a lot of those a lot of the people who were in clerks felt like hey we donated a lot of free time to help you and you become this multimillionaire, and we're just the the schlops that like worked our asses off for your vision and got nothing in return like the guy who played randall had to audition to play randall in a clerks live action movie and didn't get the job (laughs) like like it was just like shit like that where it was just like holy shit like i quit my job to be in this movie for you and now i'm fucking broke as shit and you're like on tv and i'm just still stuck in jersey you like i think that there was like a little bit of that animosity of because if you read about the filming of texas chainsaw massacre that film set was yeah that was hell. Just, not to mention it was like a totally fucking volatile like disgusting mess of yeah. a shoot yeah because they only had one shirt for leatherface so he had to wear the same blood-soaked shirt for a month oh. and a half they, you know, like the, all the animal carcasses were real animal carcasses in the movie, oh. and they had to keep them in the house for months, and they couldn't move stuff for continuity. So oh, they just that's said it, it's fucking gross. Yeah. And it was shot in the summer in that's Texas. Yeah, so yeah. Like, it's not confidential by Gunnar Hansen. If you ever get an opportunity to, because it's an amazing look at the making of the original Texas Chainsaw. Did, did you say it's a book or a um, movie? A book, Chainsaw Confidential. It's incredible. Um, I will read yeah, the shit yeah, out of that. You really like it. It's a super easy read too. It's not like too heady or too detailed. It's in, it sounds like it's in Gunner's voice too. It doesn't sound like it's you know made. Up. It's it's legit. It's it's a great book. What I wanted to say though is that the worst part. I mean, I love what we've done in the last four years of this podcast. I've I've been a horror fan basically since I knew what horror was. At what you know, I, and I never realized how obsessed I was with it until we started podcasting seven years ago about it. now I'm like, now I really feel it as a true part of myself instead of just being like, oh, this is something that I love. And going to cons is great. I love talking to other people about it. And I really do love meeting people that I idolized in movies that I watched growing up. But, and I said again, as I say, I will say it again. I did. I don't want to name names, but some of the people that I have met, I've asked them really nice questions, and they've been assholes and shitheads, and they take for granted the fact that you can do fifty amazing comedies, and no one gives a fuck about meeting you in real life. You do one amazing horror movie. You do one horror movie that's not even that great, but it has a cult following. And you can make side cash going to like Texas Frightmare Weekend or Monster Mania, a movie that you made 30 fucking years ago. And people will adore the fact that they're getting to meet you in real life. People take it for granted. And it's just like there is no in the middle. There there are people that are absolutely like Felissa Rose, I will say, is one of the most 
intensely grateful people for her time in horror. And she still does it. She was in Victor Crowley a couple years ago. She's doing new stuff now. She's like, she absolutely has embraced the community. And that means a lot. Shitty, like, situation. Like, being being her role in Sleepaway Camp could have, and could have, like, ended her career and put her in a really shitty place and all this stuff. But you're right. Yeah. The way that she embraces it is, like, a really beautiful and beneficial thing like it's beneficial if you embrace it like if you embrace it you make that side cash like you know maybe that's what you're known for forever i didn't mean to interrupt you but now i just totally agree it's like i that's it's so difficult to see people not give a shit about their career or their past i mean yeah you want to keep working for the future but it's like if you just embrace what you had and what you did and how it makes people feel like what's better than that but anyway we've been we are so off topic Texas Chainsaw Massacre, it's a masterpiece. No. Uh, so no, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is a masterpiece, Brian. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yes, it is. Thanks for sticking Next with year. us, Sorry. Brian. I know that you were just quiet for the last 10 minutes of me ranting. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order, covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? Uh, Next Gen, also a really good movie. Um, So what (laughs) would your guys' double features be with Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation? Kyle, I want you to go first because I did this for you. I I would I I would act, just pair it with the first one. I know that's that's not a cop out. I, I don't feel that. I feel like there is a lot of compare and contrast that I've never done back and forth between. Like there are sure. there are shots and stuff that I see, and I just automatically know that it's from Texas Chainsaw, the first one. And it's like I, there's like there's things like that. But I would love love to pair it with that. And I don't know which order I would do it though. I think you should you would be have first to do the first third, one. Or first, then, yeah, yeah uh, fourth. You have to, be, because you would have everything from the first movie fresh yeah. in your brain to be on the lookout yeah. for stuff. Yeah, I think that, like, <laughs> this one will be, like, because if I'm watching it with other people, we'll have, obviously, a great time watching an absolute classic. And then because of the trajectory of what this one is and because of how um, crazy it is, I think – and and how a lot of people don't like it and could think that it's not great. Like, I know it's not great, but I love watching it. So, like, I think we could have a fun time watching it with a bunch of people after we watch a a Bonafide Classic, you know? And people can leave if they want. Like, they don't feel like, oh, I got to stick through this to get to the original. I I will say Um, that there's a lot of... uh, Just my final sort of note on this uh, before, because I know we have to wrap up, but the, the thing about this movie is that this Leatherface was the first Leatherface I ever saw in my life. I I'd saw. Oh, I, okay, cool. I saw this Leatherface on a VHS cover. I didn't know what Texas Chainsaw was, and if you've ever seen the cover of this one, 
in particular with um like the full like the full drag leather face we're talking about here was and on the back yeah. it was like a two it was like a two-sided cover because on one was the lips with the chainsaw and on the other the side chainsaw, was the yeah. drag um leather face and i was so confused i didn't know <laughs> i didn't know what i didn't know what it was i didn't know who that was i was just so intrigued and i had not watched the movie until pretty recently like in the past probably five years i had not seen the movie but it was that when we talk vhs covers i mean everybody talks about artwork from the 80s and nostalgia for that stuff this is my this is more of my vhs cover that i remember that sticks with me um that intrigued me there's ones that like scared me or whatever but this one intrigued me like a hundred percent and i don't know i don't know if it I don't know if it meets any expectation that I had. It just never, I don't know what I ever thought of it besides being confused. But when people have nostalgia for things from the eighties, I, I don't get that a lot. I get like early nineties, mid nineties stuff. And this is one of them. And I think that this was why this sticks so much with me because Leatherface and Texas Chainsaw has, is one of my, the original, one of my absolute favorites. Like it's, it's incredible. It's now my wife's favorite. Like we, it's, it's a classic as everybody says. And Leatherface is such an interesting character. And I love that this chapter exists because it just is off the fucking wall. Um, I'd, <laughs> I'd watch, I'd watch the first in this one as my double feature. I'd like what you guys think. All right. Since I well, picked next, it, I'm going to go next. Yeah. I was going to say you go next. You and this it. is a really, I, I, I've been doing this new thing where I, plan my double features out in advance uh so when i was watching this i had this real weird flashback to uh clive barker's lord of illusions Mm -hmm. because the um the man in black just had this weird feel about him that reminded me of that movie and i was like when did lord of illusions come out it came out the same year as this so i would just do a 1994 uh questionable horror movie Back to back, I start with TCM, Next Gen, and then I watch Lord of Illusions, which I don't remember it being a very good movie, but, uh, you know, I, I, is that really ever a, <laughs> is, that, is that really what I, I go for, you know? So I'm going to do a double feature of movies that wish that they that they were the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but super missed the mark. So this is going to be brutal for anybody who sits and watches it, but I'm going to follow this up with Serial Insane Clown Killer. God damn it, Denise. <laughs> wow. All right, Brian, take us home. So mine's going to piss Scott <laughs> off. But at it's first. It's House of Thousand Corpses. <laughs> but, but, here, but you're going to have to hear me out. Okay. So I would pair this with Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Okay. Um, okay. Now, the, the reason for that is because I watched the first time I saw Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, and the first time I saw this were in pretty much the same um, – the same scenario. So I was a, I was a young kid, I think like 10 maybe. And I would spend, uh, it was when my grandfather was sick. So I would spend time at his house with my mom. Um, and we just got Comcast, my, not us, my grandparents just got Comcast and they had free movies, but like, it's not like now where like, you're always going to get the new movies that come out eventually on prime. Like back then, like you never got originals on the free movies. It was just like, either unheard of movies or, or late sequels. And that was the first time in, in one week. And I watched Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Next Generation. And then I watched Nightmare on Elm Street, Dream Warriors. And so I thought, why, 
why does why do you think that that would make me that that would offend me? Because it is a phenomenal movie paired with a fart. This well, movie is a fart. <laughs> but here's the thing: like is Nightmare on Elm Street three, Brian? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing, Brian. I don't think that you remember or not, but I don't love Dream Warriors. I love Dokken Dream Warriors, <laughs> but really, it comes down to. Uh, Nightmare One is my favorite. Like I, I will go back and watch Nightmare One any day. I will watch Dream Warriors when it comes up, and I will enjoy myself. But I won't seek it out. Really, I thought Dream Warriors was number two for you. I would watch Gay Noes before I watched <laughs> uh, Nightmare Three. I would here really see Dream Warriors is like the second one yeah. to me. Well, New Nightmare it is, it is the second the, one for me. Really? Yeah, I love New Nightmare because the thing about Nightmare on Elm Street one or the original is that it actually scared me and i was like 14 or 15 the first time i watched it because freddy was the literally my boogeyman growing up i didn't i'd never seen the movies but i just was horrified and obsessed with this concept of this this man who lived in a furnace and could you know could kill you so uh in your dreams so i i i felt like there was no safety uh because mm-hmm. you have to sleep and and he's a ghost so and and it's like I didn't know why he was killing kids because that's kind of a surprise in the in the movie, and so it's not like you know common knowledge to a, a six year old. But um, so I I I remember seeing the face of uh, New Nightmare Freddy and the the hand glove con- conglomerate, and that Freddy scares me the most, more so than the original. I I've rewatched it and like in the last year and it still gives me that feeling of dread that I used to have when I would look at a picture of Freddy when I was six so yeah it goes Nightmare 1 New Nightmare then I guess it goes Dream Warriors because it's really entertaining but it's equal to Nightmare 2 because Nightmare 2 is just a really good fun time uh, see Nightmare 2 has like no rewatchability for me Oh, you have to rewatch it. Soon. Wait, yeah, I, I think you're missing out. It's it's more fun than you remember. Yeah, yeah it, it, it truly not. is. <clears throat> Nightmare Two and Freddy's Dead. Like it's been probably seven or eight years since I've seen them. But like, oh I man, remember... and Freddy's Dead is like a live action cartoon. I fucking love it. It's like watching Looney Tunes starring Freddy Krueger. Is that yeah. the one where, where it says the map says we're fucked? That's 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I like that one. It's Wait, fun. Has everybody <laughs> seen all of the Texas Chainsaw movies? I have not yes. seen the new ones. Uh, no, yeah, I, I mean, I haven't seen, seen like the remakes, sequels, okay. and prequels, but I've seen all of them, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, which I think Leatherface is a good movie. Do I you think mean you think Leatherface, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre Three, is a good movie? Yes. Are you talking I about the one so from fun. like 1991 yeah. or 1990, yeah. or whatever it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's surprisingly better than I remembered yeah. it being, Scott. But you have to watch the, the director's cut is definitely. Oh, uh, I've only ever seen the original or the, the, yeah, the VHS release. I hate it. Okay. But. So <laughs> if you hate it, <clears throat> what Rob Zombie did to Michael Myers in Halloween, do not watch the prequel to Leatherface. <laughs> it is like the worst. They they put a they twist humanize in him so much to the point that. There is a potential uh, romance to to the movie. Uh, like it is what? so. <laughs> and I remember finishing it, and I was like, I wonder if it would have been a good movie on its own. Like, well, you know <laughs> what I mean? Like a like a just like a psycho serial killer that didn't become Leatherface. 
It's it's Do you think that they they had a script sitting on a shelf and they just dusted it off and were, and they reskinned it as a Leatherface movie? Yeah, they did like the the Die Hard with a Vengeance move where they're like, we can throw John McClane in this I, I don't script think called they Simon did. Says. I think that they don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> Kyle, you've seen yeah, it, right? Yeah. I'm the one that takes place yeah, in the middle war. I didn't finish it. So, because I was yeah. actually really like, not offended, but I was like, I was displeased. I was like, it, it gets worse it, unless you looked up the ending. It gets me. It's mean like unnecessarily mean the first half an hour and i don't vibe i don't vibe with that like if there's no reason to be mean or mean-spirited because i think of like we just talked about this being mean-spirited a little bit but it's not it but it's also like it balances out with goofiness and homage and meta or whatever you talk about like Saturday night deadly yeah. night being mean-spirited but there's a point to that movie being mean-spirited this fucking thing leatherface the most recent one why i was very i was like yeah. it was i was uncomfortable because it made me be like what are these writers and filmmakers like thinking that texas chainsaw massacre is like what do they think this is yeah so just to give everyone a quick spoiler to save everyone from watching Please. the movie it takes place at um the mental institution there's a pretty boy a girl and then this big fucking leather face looking character the whole movie the leather face character doesn't talk he's just like this big wwf wrestler collecting a paycheck in a horror movie type deal movie goes on blah 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 then it turns out that the big scary guy is a fucking uh is not Leatherface. The pretty boy that's in love with this girl is Leatherface. His face gets destroyed, and now he's just out for a vengeance. And and future is become Leatherface. Like it is like so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh God, that's horrible. Yeah, that's why I asked you if you finished it because I was like, it it gets no. worse. Now I have to finish it. All right. <laughs> All right. So let's so. You guys may have noticed that we forgot to uh, release a What Did We Watch this month. Uh, we're probably going to stop doing forget. this. <laughs> yeah. Instead, we're going to go ahead and just do a little segment at the end of the episode of a quick recommend of something that we have seen this week, trying to stay a little bit positive after watching something like Texas Chainsaw Massacre of the Next Generation. Before we do <laughs> that, Matthew McConaughey Whoa. was in Ghosts of Girlfriends Past with Brecken Meyer, who was in Herbie Fully Loaded with Michael Keaton. Wow. All wow. right. What was Michael Keaton in? Beetlejuice. <laughs> it was Beetlejuice. So, uh, so I'm going to do mine first. Uh, it's a quick shout out as well to a good friend of mine. And, uh, you know, he's a fan of the podcast, uh, Derek Cranavelt, uh, who used to do the Geekscape Games podcast. He has a brand new show called uh, Xbox Game Passenger. Uh, it's a series where they randomly pick a game that's available for free on the Game Pass app. And they make them play it. And I joined him on the most recent episode. I played a horror walkthrough game called What Remains of Edith Finch. It's It was fine. I didn't know that like walk simulators were an actual thing. So I was very confused why there wasn't a whole lot of action going on in the game. But I was just walking around a house solving a mystery. So uh, it was a fun game. Give that episode a listen. It should be out by the time this episode drops. Well, I'll hop in and say Sabrina season two was the shit. So good. Better than season one. Very satisfying. Very cool. Very sacrilegious. Loved it. <laughs> Megan and I had an absolute ball watching season two. I mean, it's the second half of season one. I think it's called part two, but you know what I'm talking about. It just came out recently. It's really good. Watch it. 
Yeah, I liked it a lot. Is that your recommendation? No, no, I, I, I liked it. The only thing that, so me and Joshua were talking about it, and the only thing that was kind of a letdown uh, in season two, which I'm glad that they did, you know, so like I'm torn. It was like they really expanded on the transgendered character, um, which I'm sure, which I'm sure is really cool uh, for like for a transgender kid to watch this and be represented. And I really wouldn't understand because I'm represented in everything. <laughs> um, but like me and Joshua were talking in the first season about how like it's cool because they don't really disclose what it is a joshua fright school for anyone that's confused but um like it's just a character that is different that's being bullied like they don't they don't expand on it and and he was um his vision for a future is to have movies and fucking tv shows where like there's gay characters and there's transgender characters and they're just like the straight like they like they don't they're not like the gay character or like the transgender character like they just exist there there there's no like in-depth story to them they and i know we're far from that but it was cool that it was kind of like that like you kind of assume she was transgendered or at least like you know a little bit uh possibly a lesbian you didn't know but like it didn't matter she was being bullied all the same she was an outcast but other than but i thought that the way they did it was super topical I fucking loved how dark and satanic this one got. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought it was a great, great season. That's my take. Hmm. All right. Um, Kyle, do you have your uh, recommendation or something? You seen yeah. Um, you so uh, my, uh, my co-director uh, from Survival of the Film Freaks, Bill uh, Fulkerson, and I, uh, we're right now we're doing our um, personalized film freak commentaries for people who um contributed to the indiegogo campaign who chose to do a pirate commentary and they got to subject us to a movie of their choosing where we then have to do a commentary on that movie we've watched a lot so far but we still have like 16 more to do but i went up and i saw two things one of them being uh, neil breen's pass through um i've i had never seen a neil breen film um and i don't if you need to question why people make movies and how they make movies um, and how certain movies get made, this dude it does everything fully independently. And it is – I've never seen such trash. I've never seen <laughs> – such... anybody who's seen or heard of Neil Breen who's listening to this now – and knows what I'm talking about. I cannot, he is an enigma. I cannot explain what his movies are or what they're about. You just need to watch them. You, they aren't streaming. You have to buy or go through some awful means to get his movies. But when you buy one, he will send you a DVD R in a paper sleeve for $30. So you can see his movie that he shot in the Las Vegas desert. That makes no sense. That is edited horribly that he is always the lead in and I, 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 I'm, it's unreal. It's unreal. So I need, I am now going to watch all of his films. He also made a movie called fateful findings. Um, he also made a movie called I am here dot, 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 dot now. Um, and they all have, they all have like these weird, <laughs> they're not social undertones. Believe me, they are over, over, over the moon. Films. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and they just fall so flat, but Holy shit. 
is it is a very it's a very specific cult watch. Uh, and then for a, a, an enjoyable movie, I watched the pirate movie, and it was from 1982. It's a musical, um, and it is starring. Um, uh, oh shoot, who's it's starring? Hold on, I'll tell you right now. But anyway, musical, people that know one musical remembers. that is sort of about pirates of it's based. Uh, Christy McNichol, yeah, who won the Razzie for it, um, even though she acted fine. It was just the movie is crazy. It's this giant musical that was set, that was filmed in Australia in 1982. Um, it takes some of the music of Pirates of Penzance, Penzance and then it sort of takes its own original music. Um, there is a, uh, just to really reel you in, haha, there's a part uh, of blowing <laughs> and pumping where the main character uh christopher atkins dives deep sea dives into the ocean to find a treasure chest uh and there are animated fish dancing around him as they're singing to the song blowing and pumping and it's um it's beautiful i had a blast watching it bill hated it um i would recommend seeking it out if you can i don't believe it's available on dvd or blu-ray but there's uh, or in at least in the states um, but there are some rips around, um, and you need to, uh, you need to see it. It's great. So that was Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation from 1994 as picked by Scott. Uh, we were joined by our good friend, Kyle, who is the, uh, co-director of survival of the film freaks, which Indiegogo campaign wrapped up. You should be able to get your own copy of it in the near future. So stay tuned to their Facebook page for more information on that. Also, if you go on our Patreon, patreon.com backslash HMN podcast, uh, we're going to have a quick little talk with Kyle about another project that he worked on starring your boys, the horror movie night. <laughs> so uh, if you want to know what we've been doing behind the scenes, go to Patreon, find out. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook and all of our social media. And tune in next week for another movie that will have you laughing in the dark. Ooh. Ooh. Put down that smartphone and listen to me. I'm Matthew Milligan, professional musician and lifelong Weird Al fan. Each week, I'm joined by professional podcaster and close personal friend Matt Kelly to take a dive off the deep end into the vast career of pop culture icon Weird Al Yankovic on our show, Weird Algorithm. Along with some very special guests from the worlds of music and comedy, we tackle every song, every television appearance, and every bit of sketch comedy Al has produced in chronological order. Covering the good old days of My Bologna and Eat It, the fun zone of tacky and white and nerdy, and everything in between. As we go, we're ranking the songs, albums, and music videos in the hopes of creating the ultimate guide to a career bigger than the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. So the next time you're having one of those days stuck in a traffic jam wondering why does this always happen to me, just kick off your sneakers and stick around for a while because we've got it all on Weird Algorithm. Available wherever you get your podcasts. And now you know. Was that enough references? You're listening to the Geekscape Network.